0: The Small Business Administration states that there are 28 million small businesses in the United States alone. The SBA defines a small business as a company that generates $25 million or less in annual revenue. That includes my business, and I suspect it includes yours too. Shoot, that even includes Justin Bieber's. His small business, music sales, pulled in only 18 million last year. So that's 28 million of us entrepreneurial weirdos in the United States alone. That's a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people with guts, smarts, and determination who decided they had something of value to offer the world and took a shot at building something out of it. Regardless of your entrepreneurial status, You are a miracle worker, so to speak. You convert ideas into reality. You find customers, you make stuff for them, you deliver a service for them, and they pay you for it. You keep selling, you keep delivering, you keep managing the money. All of us are smart, driven people. Really smart, really driven. But there's one really freaking nagging problem. 8 out of 10 businesses fail, and the number one reason they fail is lack of profitability. Are you surprised? Probably not. I wasn't. It's true. And it makes me want to drown my sorrows in Margaritaville. The majority of small businesses and medium businesses, and even some big ones, are barely surviving. That guy driving the new Tesla, whose children go to private school via chauffeur, And who lives in a massive house and runs a $3 million company is one bad month from declaring bankruptcy. I should know. He's my neighbor. The SBA Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award recipient who is changing the world, who is lauded as a member of the next generation of genius, who is destined to be on the cover of Fortune magazine because of his business acumen is taking out bank loan after bank loan. In racking up credit card debt to cover payroll behind the scenes. I should know that was me. So, that is from this wonderful book that I'm going to tell you about today Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. I thought this was a really useful book because it has one of those foundational ideas in it that once you see the idea, you really never forget it. I think it's like one of those foundational metaphors that. I keep in my mind throughout my life, similar to the Soundtracks episode in the Atomic Habits episode. And this foundational idea that he sets in place is this idea of profit first, being able to build businesses that are sustainably profitable because of one small change in the way you view your business operations. So he talks about throughout this book, how he's been able to share this idea with countless entrepreneurs, in turn what he calls their cash-eating, profitless monsters, these monsters of businesses eating up all the cash available to it, all the revenue that they generate. He turns those into well-operated machines. And the simple way he's able to do that is establishing you have to take your profit first. So we are going to dive into this idea of taking your profit first and explore how this simple concept can change your business. I hope you enjoy this one. If you aren't profitable, the natural assumption is that you haven't grown fast enough. I have news for you, people. You're completely fine. You don't need a change. The old formula to profit is what's wrong. It needs to change. You know the formula I'm talking about. Sales minus expenses equals profit. That crusty, bifocal-wearing, old-person-smelling formula at first blush makes total sense. Sell as much as you can, then pay the bills, and what's left over is your profit. Here's the problem. There are never any leftovers. The old profit formula creates monsters of businesses. Cash eating monsters. But we stay loyal to the formula, and things get worse. The solution is profoundly simple. Take your profit first. So the purpose of this book and the people that Mike Michalowicz is really talking to are that 28 million small business owners in the United States, and really even more internationally. This could be any type of small business. Maybe it's a restaurant owner, maybe it's a small retail chain in a certain geographic location, maybe it's an HVAC repair shopper, who knows what type of business. But the real people that he's catering to are the ones that have been struggling with gaining sustainable profitability. So he's kind of speaking to them very point blank directly. And he's saying, I understand your problem. I understand you've been following this formula, sales minus expenses equals profit. And that's really been doing you no justice. You've seen every year that you are either unprofitable or you're left with no money. You've been investing everything back into growth without seeing actual profit dollars that you could take home. And he goes further to describe what the true problem is at hand. He says, this is the cash-eating monster, he says, Most entrepreneurs are living a financial nightmare, one that's populated by Freddy Krueger or Frankenstein's monster in its raw, unadulterated scariness. In fact, I am convinced that I am Dr. Frankenstein. If you've read Mary Shelley's classic, Frankenstein, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The good doctor reanimated life. From mismatched body parts, he stitched together a living being more monster than man. Of course, his creation wasn't a monster at first. No, at first, it was a miracle. Dr. Frankenstein brought to life something that, without his extraordinary idea and exhaustive hard work, could not exist that's what I did. That's what you did. We brought something to life that didn't exist before we dreamed it up. We created a business out of thin air. Impressive, miraculous, beautiful, or at least it was, until we realized our creation was actually a monster. Stitching together a business with nothing but your great idea, your unique talents, and whatever few resources you have at hand is most certainly a miracle, and it feels like one too, until the day you realize your business has become a giant, scary, soul-sucking, cash-eating monster. That's the day you discover that you, too, are an esteemed member of the Frankenstein family. So he goes further to describe why your business becomes this Frankenstein monster. I knew how to grow a business from nothing, working with whatever resources I had, but as revenue increased, so did my spending. I discovered that this was the way I ran both my personal life and my business. Basically, is getting lifestyle creep, but in his business spending. I took pride in making magic happen with pennies in my pocket, but as soon as I got some real cash, I made sure... That I had a very good reason to spend it. It was a check-to-check lifestyle, but sustainable as long as sales were sustained and did not dip. While my companies grew explosively, I still operated them on a check-to-check basis, and I had no idea that this was a problem. The point was to grow, right? Increase sales and the profit will take care of itself, right? Wrong. Money problems occur when one of two things happen. Sales slow down or sales speed up and you overcommit to a higher cost structure. So these are really the two flawed thinking mistakes that he describes many small business owners will make. It is either that you are constantly reinvesting and thinking that sales will always keep going up and to the right. And if sales slow down, that's where you could really be hurt. Or two, if your sales are increasing so fast and you keep saying, I'm going to double down, invest in growth, you may overcommit to a higher cost structure. And we spoke about on the Innovator's Dilemma episode, oftentimes those higher cost structures can become like a debt on your head. You will be beholden to that high cost structure. The second your sales slow down, you are in trouble, right? So this is really why Mike Michlowitz is advising us that we want to build these profitable habits very early on in our business. It's much, much easier to build these habits, these good profitable habits, early on when you're operating rather than later because the problems only become harder as the business scales. Most business owners try to grow their way out of their problems. Hinging salvation on the next big sale or customer or investor. But the result is simply a bigger monster. And the bigger your company gets, the more anxiety you deal with. A $300,000 cash eating monster is much easier to manage than a $3 million one. I know, I survived operating both. This is constant growth. Without concern for health. In the day that big sale or customer or investor doesn't show, you will fall to the ground. So basically, this idea that he's putting in your mind is that you may be telling yourself with enough growth, eventually one day I will become profitable. Well, he's saying, why wait until one day? Set that profitable, that sustainable, profitable habit now. And thus, As you grow, that will grow with it. But if you don't set that habit now, you will keep being a cash eating monster. And I think certainly there's some businesses that are exceptions to this rule. Like I look at some of the technology businesses or some of the massive scale businesses where they benefit from some of those winner take all dynamics, things like Rockefeller with standard oil trying to dominate the oil markets. Or you could think a more recent example is like Uber, they were trying to land grab every different city, be the top ride-hailing app in every city. And then once you are in that position, you have that pricing power. But I believe those, again, are the exceptions to the rules. Those are the power law-like technology outcomes, whereas the majority of businesses, and especially the businesses that he's speaking to, these small business owners, don't fit. That power law world. Maybe they're more in somewhat of the commoditized world, the everyday world, like an average retailer or an average restaurant or an average real estate operation. So these are the types of businesses that we should look to post yearly profits. We want to have sustainable profits rather than waiting for the day that we reach enough growth and then finally saying, okay, now I'm ready to turn on profitability. Because it's never, it's never that easy to just turn on profitability overnight. Here's the reality if you want healthy, sustainable growth, which not so surprisingly will spawn more healthy growth. You need to reverse engineer the profit. So here's his fundamental idea. Take profit first. You can't grow out of your profit problem. You need to fix profit first, then grow. You must figure out the things that make profit and dump the things that don't. When you focus on growth, it is inevitably a scramble to grow at all costs. Yes, at all costs, including the quality of your life. When you focus on profit first, you inevitably figure out how to make a profit consistently profitability, stability, sanity, forevermore. So I couldn't agree any more strongly with this idea. And it really repeats some of the thoughts that we learned from Morgan Housel and Peter Thiel. In that episode, The Psychology of Money, I discuss Housel's really wise insights that the most important thing for compounding is not the growth rate, the absolute growth rate, a higher growth rate, but rather it is the durability of that growth. How long can you keep up that growth? How consistent is that growth? And we see like when you look at case studies like Warren Buffett or TSMC, the chip making company, you see that 30, 40, 50, 60 years of compounding at a consistent strong level, maybe not bonkers level, like 50% growth or 100% growth, but at a nice 10, 15% growth rate or 20% profit margins, 25, 30% margins, those are the types of things that produce extraordinary results. So this is where we see the durability of consistent growth or the durability of consistent profits is more powerful than just a couple years of that off-the-charts growth. I think the point that Mike Michalowicz is trying to make in this book is that instead of thinking I will grow my way out of my problems one day when I'm big enough I will be profitable you can set the habit today that I will be consistently profitable I will have a sustainable profit habit and the real benefit of this new habit of profitability is that once you have excess profits Then you could look at those and decide what projects to invest in for growth. Now you're able to grow much more sustainably and build that consistency, that durability of growth. We know that's the most important thing, the consistency and the durability of growth. So the only way you're able to do that, at least effectively in a healthy manner, is to invest out of your profits and to actually determine Is this growth helping create more profits? One of the mistakes he shares that a lot of small business owners and entrepreneurs end up making is that they lose focus. As he likes to say, instead of being the world's best at one thing, mastering the process of delivering perfectly and super efficiently, we end up doing a greater variety of things in becoming less and less efficient At each step while our businesses become harder to manage and costlier to run. So this is a real core reason why so many small businesses may not be profitable. If they are in the current situation not profitable, their first solution may simply be, I need to grow my way out of my problem. And the solution to that may be, I need to offer more services. Maybe I could add on services like An example he gave was a landscaper who offered to repair your roof and repair different areas of your house. And he shares how offering all these services and in result, losing focus of your core, your main business, it leads to you investing in business lines that may not lead to profits in your pocket. This is one of the very important insights as well. If you switch to profitable, sustainable habits, now you're able to invest in growth initiatives actually asking the question, will this lead to profits for me back down the road? And we've seen multiple entrepreneurs that we've studied take this frame of mind after they acquired companies as well. They walked in and they saw the owners or operators, the entrepreneurs on deck were just investing in growth at all costs. They stopped asking the question, does this growth lead to profits down the line? One person who did this was Sam Zell. He bought one of the railroad companies and he saw that they kept maintaining and investing in railroad tracks, even if those tracks don't lead to future profitability. And he shut down some of those initiatives. He started saying, why are we maintaining these railroad tracks when those don't actually lead to profits? Actually, a very similar thing happened with one of the capital allocators, Bill Anders of General Dynamics. His main method of achieving higher returns and improving the operations at General Dynamics was that he refocused the business. He came in after, I think it was like after the Cold War period and maybe the early 90s or late 80s, and he saw that they were spread out over so many business lines. The only way to become profitable was to focus on the business lines that actually deliver true profits. So he went out to all their different businesses and he sold off or discontinued the low return business lines and focus only on the best ones. I'll share an excerpt from that book, The Outsiders Here. General dynamics should only be in businesses where it had the number one or number two market position. The company would exit commodity businesses where returns were unacceptably low and stick to businesses it knew well. So this all just reiterates Mike miklowitz's thinking. He is sharing how it is so easy for you to think, I need to grow my way out of my problems if you are not profitable with your existing business, and thus you will start losing focus. You will offer more and more services without thinking discriminately, does this new business line actually lead to profits in my pocket? If you're taking profits today, you're going to be able to evaluate whether those profits actually make it to the bottom line. So by now you may be thinking, I understand the rationale of this profit first mentality. Well, how do I actually put it in practice? How do I put it in practice for my own small business? And I thought the way he was able to do this was really fascinating. This takes a page out of the book we read, Atomic Habits, and is basically one of the most effective one-time choices that leads to prolonged payoffs. I'll read to you how he described it. As I continue to watch the program, The expert went on to say that when we use smaller plates, we dish out smaller portions, thus eating fewer calories without changing our ingrained behavior of serving a full plate and eating all of what is served. I sat up straight on the couch, my mind alert with this new revelation. The solution is not to try to change our ingrained habits, which is really hard to pull off, and nearly impossible to sustain, but instead to change the structure around us and leverage those habits. If I reduce the plate size of my business's operating account, I would spend differently. So rather than try to curb my spending habit, I would create the experience of having less cash on hand than I actually had, and then would find ways to still make things work. Hey, hey, wait, wait one stinking minute. Could I actually set aside some of it for profit before I paid bills? And that's when it hit me. What if I took my profit first? So this is really just incredible stuff. It is taking this very simple concept from Atomic Habits this idea of smaller plates, it is from the nutrition and healthy eating category. If you have smaller plates, you'll end up eating less with smaller portions because we're all designed to eat, or let's say in this case, spend what's in front of you. He decides to apply that to the financial world. So he's thinking instead of trying to change your habits, your ingrained habits, I know that I have to instead adjust your environment To set this habit in place. So the environment in his case is not smaller plates and it is not food, but rather it is bank accounts. So he sets up this profit first habit and this profit first rhythm by making multiple bank accounts. And in some ways, he's also applying here Charlie Munger's rule, which is Granny's rule. Granny's rule is basically eat your veggies first and then dessert. In Charlie Munger, the way he kind of talks about it is do the hard thing first and then the easy thing. So in some ways, Mike Michalowicz is changing your environment. He is saying you're going to create multiple bank accounts and one of those bank accounts will be your profit account. And you're going to quote unquote, eat your veggies first. You're going to take your profits first and put it separately in its own bank account. And then what's left over, basically, this is the smaller plate. What's left over is meant for your expenses. And there you can pay all your normal operating expenses. That's really what you're going to optimize for. So he goes on to say, isn't it funny how much we change based upon what is available? Here's what's fascinating. Parkinson's law triggers two behaviors when supply is scant. When you have less, You do two things. The first is obvious. You become frugal. When there is less toothpaste in the tube, you use less to brush your teeth. That is the obvious part. But something else far more impactful happens. You become extremely innovative and find all sorts of ways to extract that last drop of toothpaste from the tube. If there is one thing that will forever change your relationship with money, it is the understanding of Parkinson's Law. You need to intentionally make less toothpaste, aka money, available to you to brush your teeth or, in your case, to operate your business. When there is less, you will automatically run your business more frugally, that's good, and you will run your business far more innovatively. That's great. So the actual implementation of this profit-first framework is really exactly what it would sound like. He wants you to create separate bank accounts. He tells us up to five bank accounts and even more advanced methods have more than that. But basically, you will create these five bank accounts where the first bank account is receiving all your sales or all your revenue. Then from there, you have specific bank accounts to funnel the money into. First, your bank account, the first one, the veggies that you eat is your profit account. So you want to take your profit first. Then you may fund owner's compensation, make sure that everyone's getting paid, you're getting paid salaries paid for employees. Then you pay your taxes bank account. And lastly, you pay to your OPEX bank account, your operating expenses. And one of the main points that he makes throughout this book is that Once you start setting this profit-first habit, if you start noticing that you're not able to pay all your expenses, you're seeing really a shortfall in your operating expense bank account, you have to start asking yourself the tough questions. These are the tough questions like, which expenses should I cut? Which expenses aren't contributing directly to my profitability? So this is really where you see that extreme innovation come to light. When you have less money available to you, you might start thinking, maybe I can spend less. Maybe I can operate my business with the smaller balance. As he says, we naturally spend or use whatever is available to us. So this whole theory is to flip that mindset on its head. And the next implementation step is to set just a arbitrary percentage to transfer into your profit account. Basically, his suggestion is in the very beginning, all you want to do is transfer 1% of all revenue into profits. As he says, in the beginning, you know, transferring 1%, it is not going to make a dent in your expenses. You will certainly be able to adjust to a 1% decrease. But the real trick here is you are building the habit of profitability. You're building the habit of transferring revenue into your profit account and you are slowly seeing that accumulate. I think this is just such a great. It's so well written of a book because it follows so many of the great guidelines in the atomic habits book, very great book for setting habits, but it's applying it to profits into financial decisions. This is basically what I would think of as the two minute rule for profit first. The two minute rule in other habits could be like if you want to read, it's reading one page. Or if you want to go to the gym, two minute rule is putting on workout clothes. Or if you want to become a writer, the two minute rule is simply writing a paragraph. The whole point of the two minute rule is just get started, get into implementation. And we see his suggestion transferring 1% of your revenue to the profit account in the very beginning, the whole point of this is just let's get started. Implement this decision today. Now, over time, that's where you can scale it up and increase your percentages based on maybe your industry peers or maybe you reach a natural ceiling for your small business. But this is so important because it just sets that habit. So now that you're putting this profit first habit in place, you may be thinking, how do I reduce my expenses? Of course, you naturally want to shift more of those expenses dollars into the profitable category. So he shares some great tips and feedback on how to analyze and minimize your expenses. You can easily find your first 10% in cuts by doing the following. One, cancel whatever you don't need to help your business run efficiently and keep your customers happy. I think that last part is most important. Cancel what you don't need, but just keep asking yourself, does this make my customers happy? If it is not essential to that, then maybe it's an expense you could cancel. Two, negotiate every remaining expense except payroll. I think this is really important as well negotiate every remaining expense except payroll. Remember, people are assets, not expenses. Pay peanuts and you get monkeys. Your people are assets. They could increase the sales and increase the performance of your business, but all your other expenses, you want to aggressively negotiate down. So his advice to us is basically to set up two days a month where you have these Bill paying and accounting days, basically this accountability day. And the most important part of that process is to not take your expenses at face value. When you get delivered an expense and you're looking at your expense line items, you don't want to just take it at face value and say, okay, I had 10,000 or 100,000 in expenses. Let me just pay them all and move on with my day. You have to start asking yourself, do these expenses contribute to my profitability. He shares how he liked to do that. Go line by line through each expense, past and present, even if you are not incurring the expense anymore. And with the pen, mark the expense with a P for any expense that directly generates profit. This may be those expenses that keep your customers happy, for example. R for any expense that, while necessary, can be replaced With a less expensive alternative. So that's R, replaced with a less expensive alternative, or U for any expense that is unnecessary for delivering your offering. So U, R, and P. P generates profits, R replaceable with less expensive, U unnecessary. And ideally, you want to eliminate all the U's, you want to replace all the R's, and you want to keep all the peas. The peas may be your people or any very valuable expenses that keep your customers happy. And you really want to incentivize your entire team to buy into this mentality because this creates the type of war chest that will lead to that durability. As we know, durability is only possible if you have the cash war chest to survive the ups and downs of business. As he said. When you opt not to spend money, acknowledge it. Give yourself a pat on the back. Do a happy dance. Celebrate every time you save, whether it's 10 bucks or 10,000. Put on your favorite music and crank it. Get really happy. Embarrass your kids at the mall. Heck, embarrass yourself. Over time, you will train your mind to equate happiness and celebration with choosing to save money overspending it. It's so valuable for us to build this habit of rewarding saving money rather than spending money because we know we need to create these financial war chests. If you're a small business, it's essential to have that extra cash on hand because that's oftentimes the only way you could survive the ups and downs, the cyclicality of capitalistic business cycles. As Warren Buffett shared with us, never be dependent on the kindness of strangers. How many times in the invert episodes that we've covered have we seen companies simply not have enough cash on hand when the going got tough and thus they went out of business? So this is another reason why building this profitable habit is so important. You reward yourself, you incentivize yourself to create these profits, you go line item by line item, questioning every single expense, seeing if it's truly necessary and generates profits. And thus, you're able to survive the tough times because you build yourself that war chest. One of the byproducts of taking on this profit first framework is you start really optimizing your existing operations. So as we just discussed, you're going through your expenses line item by line item you're marking it p for generating profit r for could be replaced or u for unnecessary and you start asking yourself those questions of is this really necessary some of these questions that you may ask is is your company overstaffed is it filled with a players you want to surround yourself with a players cuz that attracts the best people right Am I using all my recurring subscriptions? Is there anything you can negotiate down? Anything you could easily cancel? What projects, what business lines aren't central to your business? So this is very similar to the mindset that Elon Musk talked about in that Walter Isaacson biography. He would share that one of his most basic rules is to question everything. Any requirement that comes across his desk he decides to question the authorities who said it and thus look for ways to lower that cost. And his whole framework is basically just, if it doesn't abide by the laws of physics, that is a rule that I will question. So you take the same exact approach with your own expenses, you take this question everything mentality with your own expenses, and you will see a lot of room open up to reinvest, to spend those Expense dollars or future profit dollars on the real things that are valuable, the things that do generate profit or keep your customers happy. And maybe the most obvious bucket in this category is your people. Like I just said, is your team filled with A players? Well, now that you've cut your expenses, maybe that will give you the opportunity to pay a little bit higher salaries and attract the best people. As David Ogilvy liked to say, become a company of giants. Be willing to maybe pay a little bit more so you could become this company of giants. And this was something that Mike Michalowicz was able to see with even his small businesses that he consulted over the course of his profit-first classes. They established a powerful retention plan of paying their employees more than the industry norm. Yes, they pay their employees more than the competition, allowing them to retain the best engineers in the market and, wait for it, are still wildly profitable for their industry. That's the power of reverse engineering your profit. You should identify the elements that support the profit, in this case, great employees who stay loyal with you for the long haul and commit to it and jettison the things that don't. This is the beauty of profit first. As you start to redirect some of those expenses dollars into profits, you start having a better understanding of which expenses actually support profits. And like he said, the expenses that oftentimes support profits are having great people. You're able to attract these A players types of people. You surround yourself with the best talent in your company. And thus slowly, even if you're paying them 30% more than the industry norm, slowly you end up having profits that are ahead of the industry norm because these people are even more productive than the average people in the industry. This idea was emphasized before by Netflix's founder, Reed Hastings. And Sam Zell, our famous real estate investor, and even Ed Thorpe, the fantastic hedge fund operator. He was running this hedge fund strategy that he knew was pretty much proprietary. It takes a lot of time and training to find the people who could actually carry out his strategy. And he realized almost this exact same wisdom of the power of his people. He would say, in order to attract and keep superior staff, I paid wages and bonuses well above the market rate. This actually saved money because my employees were far more productive than average. The higher compensation limited turnover which saved time and money otherwise used to teach my one-of-a-kind investment methodology. At the higher levels, it kept people from breaking off and going into business for themselves. So this is the upside case for Profit First. Not only are you able to, over time, start building up your war chest and start having nice, sustainable profits so you could grow consistently over time, but the even better potential reality is that you start looking at those profits that you're creating, and you start hiring even better people improving your own operations that your business grows even faster than before. You start doubling down on the things that will make your customers happy and you let go of that notion that growth eventually will lead to profits. Now, probably the best thing that profit first provides is it really provides you freedom. Now that you know your salary and actually take it, you need to live within your means. Then you're going to lock in your lifestyle. What that means is no matter how good things get, and this is going to be a challenge for you because now that you follow profit first, things will get amazing, you will not expand your lifestyle in response. That was the mistake he made before, lifestyle creep. You need to accumulate cash, lots of it, and that means no new cars, no brand new furniture, or crazy vacations really beware of lifestyle creep. For the next five years, you will lock it in and live the lifestyle you are designating now so that all your extra profit goes toward giving you that ultimate reward, financial freedom. This is where you build up that war chest so you could survive the ups and downs of business. And then once you've built up enough of a war chest, you have that profit-first war chest, well, that's where you get the financial freedom. As Morgan Housel coined so aptly, the best thing money can buy you is freedom. So if you're a small business owner, if you're someone who is struggling with a low-performing, unprofitable type of business, cash-eating type of business, then this profit-first framework I really think is perfect for you. And even if you're not in that position, I still think there's some great advice for all business owners and operators in this book. It shares with us different ideas around the durability of growth, the durability of profits, setting the right habits in place, whether that is financial habits or nutrition habits with our smaller plates. And lastly, again, the best thing money can buy you is freedom. Once you have that war chest, You're really free to operate how you see fit. So that wraps up this foundational idea, Profit First, by Mike Michalowicz. I hope you learned a lot from this episode. I hope you enjoyed it yourself. And please share it with a friend if you did. That would be amazing. Thanks again for listening.